You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Hello, my name is Jonathan Wiley. Welcome to another episode of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. Joining me, as always, is the incomparable Mindy Carney. How are you, Mindy? Hello, Jonathan. I'm great. Hello, listeners. Has anyone described you as incomparable before? This is the first time I was going to make a comment about it, but I thought, you know what? I'm just going to own it. I'm going to own it. You should own it, yeah. Well, this is a special edition of the podcast and our third episode here. We are proud to welcome our very first guest to the show. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to someone that Mindy and I have the pleasure of working with at Grant Wood, and that is Amber Bridge. Hello, Amber. Hello, Jonathan and Mindy. Thanks for having me on. Happy to have you. Amber, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, no problem. Uh, I am an educational technology consultant along with the two of you, which is fantastic experience. But I did come from a background of 10 years of teaching experience. I taught eighth grade science for 10 years. And as my husband said, they were the smelly kids that I taught and overcome, uh, which is always, you know, those middle school teachers. We have our, our own kind of war wounds Uh, going out there. But I learned a lot and I had a lot of fun and I actually really enjoyed teaching that age group. And so uh, my role now, I get to work with different districts uh, to help them integrate technology into the classroom in meaningful ways. Awesome, Amber. Thank you very much for for that introduction. We brought you on today to talk about something that we thought would be an ideal subject for uh, the podcast today. And we think it'll be a great for people to learn more about. But just before we dive in too much further, I thought I'd uh, take some liberties here and do a little bit of follow-up from our last episode. Mindy, is that okay? Oh my goodness. Is this what I think it is? Well, last time, Mindy, in my tech nugget at the end of the show, I talked about Music Memos, the new app from Apple. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember and you were quite excited for a while because you thought that I had something prepared and ready to go and, and share. <laughs> yep, I did. I was. I was super excited. I, I'm really excited right now, I think. I have something to share now that I created in the Music Memos app. I thought I'd let you see what that sounded like. Oh, yes, please. I am so impressed. I am afraid that I'm going to have to find a new co-host because you are big time now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kanye is going to pick him up, right? For his next tour. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, It's possible, I guess. Um, I I just stole my son's electric organ and I thought I'd put it to the test and see how well it worked. And for the most part, it worked pretty good. The bass line was a little off on some of those things, some strange chord choices, but... uh, yeah, that was good. And it put me in the mood to explore some other music apps. So I've got one more to show you. A twofer? Oh my gosh. Here it comes. 
Mary had a little lamb. Jonathan, I am. Uh, I love it. I love it. You like that one? I do. I think that's my favorite. I, I like that I can hear your voice. So, did you? Can you explain to us just a little bit? How did you go about doing that? Well, that is an app called Auto Wrap by Smule or Smule. I'm not sure how to pronounce them. And all you have to do is tap the record button and you talk into it and it just augments your voice to a music track and does it all for you. So all I did was say Mary had a little lamb and the rest of that nursery rhyme and it did the rest for you. So kind of crazy and amazing. Did you say Mary had a little lamb like with a, I mean, did you do any special things with your voice when you recorded your voice line or... Because it has a little bit of a different, I don't know, it sounds a little bit different than just you saying it. So I'm just wondering if you did anything special yourself when you said Mary had a little lamb. I did nothing different. I just said Mary had a little lamb, her fleece was white as snow, and that was it. (laughs) And it turned you into a rapper. I know, you were talking about (laughs) Kanye signing me up. I think he's going to be more impressed with the second sample than the first sample. Yes, absolutely. I think he will. Um, my question is, did you wear a very large clock around your neck while you did this? Flava Flav. Yeah. Jonathan, do you know who Flava Flav is? This is one of those cultural references that I am vaguely familiar with, but I don't know a whole lot about. So yeah. I'll put a little something in the show notes for our listeners. See if I can find something for Flava Flav. Just put it in the show notes for me. Okay. Ooh, maybe maybe we could do a little photoshopping, Mindy, and actually <laughs> add some bling or something to Mr. Wiley's photo. Absolutely. I think it was easier when it was just me versus Mindy, and now I feel like there's two versus one in this show. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like it. I like that she's here. It's awesome. Amber, this is the last show you do. Ah, <laughs> one hit wonder, one hit wonder. I'm only kidding. We're going to give Amber a few minutes to get ready for the main part of our show. So while she's putting the finishing touches on that, Mindy and I are going to take a quick look at some of our favorite things in the EdTech world. I know, and love is in the air. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and there are a few things, not just a few, quite a few. We had to limit it down to just five things that we love. So, Jonathan, did you want to start? Is this a competition or not a competition? You decided. I don't think we need to compete on this. I think these are all great things that everybody can use. So we'll just uh, take them as they come. My first pick is Wonderlist, And I very much rely on this tool a lot. So if you've never used it before, it is a to-do list manager. It's a way for you to keep track of all the things you have to get done on a daily basis. I'm a very busy person. Teachers are very busy people. Students are increasingly very busy. And I think having some kind of to-do list system is an awesome way that you can keep track of your life and make sure that the things you want to get done are getting done. So one of the reasons I like Wonderlist is because it is available on basically any device that you could possibly want it to be on. And everything syncs exactly very quickly between all those devices. So on my phone, on my 
Mac, on a PC, on an iPad, on whatever mobile devices or desktop devices you could possibly want to use, you can find Wonderlist on there too. So I use that to keep myself sane and to make sure that I don't miss a whole lot of things that I have said I will do for other people. Yeah, it's nice that it works between all your devices. Get all your notifications in all the places that you love. Phone, computer, yeah. Yeah, some of my favorite tools are those cross-platform ones, and that's a little hint at my next one too, but I'm not going to go there yet. I'll let you do your next one, Mindy. All right, well, mine's a little bit different. Um, There's a new movement that's kind of sweeping the nation called Breakout EDU. And if you haven't heard of Breakout EDU, uh, it's kind of this new way of thinking of bringing puzzles and mysteries into your classroom to have your students solve. And to solve, they need to collaborate with one another and find clues in the classroom and put those clues together to solve the puzzles for um, this box that you can order or you can make your own. It's not something that you actually would have to purchase. But you can go to Breakout EDU and see there's like this big wooden box that's locked. And everything kind of revolves around unlocking these locks. All the clues add up to ways to um, help you solve the puzzle. And so you can do different tech tools. You can have kids searching for answers. You can, um, even just in the classroom, hiding things in the classroom that might have different um, patterns, things like that. So it's kind of an interesting thing. And I, I think it's great because it allows students to kind of multitask and maybe put together some of the information that they've been learning in class, cross content. You could team up with another content teacher and uh, share the puzzle with them. Uh, so it's really just kind of this neat thing that I, I hope to see uh, teachers kind of getting into and, and maybe uh, starting to write some of their own puzzles for the classroom. Yeah. And this is something that was created by an educator. Is that right? Yes, I think so. It's a um, two guys, I think, and I wish I knew what their name was. But if you go to Breakout Edu, you can learn all about their story. They have a Twitter chat on Tuesday nights at eight o'clock, which is Central Standard Time. They also have a great Facebook page that is um, very busy with lots of people sharing their ideas, asking questions. It's a very interactive um, Facebook group. They also have a Voxer group. So if you don't know what Voxer is, it's like a walkie-talkie app. And there is a Voxer group as well that is very interactive with their breakout EDU challenges and um, really always sharing their stories and offering advice for those people who are looking to learn more about breakout EDU. That's great. All right, I'm going to move on to number three, which is my favorite note-taking application, and I'm talking about Microsoft OneNote. This is a a free app that is available for Windows, for phone, for Mac, iPad, iPhone, Android. It's even available for Amazon Kindle. You can get it on the web, Chromebooks, everywhere. So again, that multi-platform concept I was talking about earlier with Wonderlist. And I like OneNote because it is... It just works really well. It's a great way to organize and keep all of my notes in one place. So when I'm going to conferences, I use OneNote to record all my notes. And when I'm planning out different professional developments, I'll use OneNote. It's just a really flexible and versatile tool. You can do all kinds of fun things, like you can clip things from the web, like you might with... um, Evernote or Wonderlist or some other different things. So you can clip a website, bring that into OneNote. You can send emails 
to OneNote, if you send them to me at OneNote.com, it knows what email address it's sending them from, and it will put that email into a OneNote page and keeps all those digital resources all together in one place. OneNote is kind of like a, a digital three-ring binder. It's a way that you can sort and organize and keep all the things that matter to you in one place. And I'll give you a couple of examples um, of how I, I use that. One of the things I'm doing right now in my spare time, inverted commas, is working on an instructional media master's degree. And I use OneNote to help catalog and keep together all my materials and coursework for that. I also use it for recipes at home. And I have a OneNote binder for all my recipes and things like that. So it's really awesome tool. You can add PDFs, you can embed office documents, you can insert audio on touchscreen devices, you can draw and ink all over your notes. So you could do some sketch noting or other things that you're interested in. So if you've never tried OneNote before, you can go to OneNote.com. It is free for any device you want to use it on. Are your recipes Indian food? I definitely have some Indian recipes on there, yeah. Wow, awesome. I didn't know that you were much of a cook. Good for I, you. I do a lot of the cooking at our house, Mindy. Oh, wow. Well, maybe we'll have to share a recipe in our show notes, Jonathan. We can do that. Okay, that'd be great. All right, so my next um, tool that I'm in love with is Snagit as the Chrome extension. Now, you can get Snagit in lots of different places, but the Snagit Chrome extension is free. And what I love about Snagit is that it allows you to take screenshots. It allows you to um, create screencasts all from this one little tool. Now, once you're um, done, it saves into your Google Drive, and it'll create a folder for you called TechSmith. And you can save it to your Google Drive. You can send it straight to YouTube if you have a screenshot. You can also, my favorite thing, is create a 20-second GIF from Snagit. So if you're looking... Not really to make a long screencast with directions, but you just want a quick little GIF. You can use Snagit to 20 seconds, and you have um, a GIF that you can share websites, um, however you want to use it. And I think that's a really versatile tool, which I um, would strongly suggest you take a look at. Yeah, I love those GIFs. I mean, I've said this to people recently. There's, there's times when a screenshot of something is not enough. But a video is kind of like overkill. So the GIF is that happy medium in there, the animated GIF, where you can just show somebody how to do something and very quickly. And you can insert these things into Google Documents and other places on, on the web where these animated GIFs can take the place of a full video tutorial and give you more information than a, a picture. All right. So should we share the one that we actually agreed on, Jonathan? Yeah, this is one we agreed on. So go ahead, Mindy. I'll let you introduce it. Um, the one that we agreed on is pixabay.com. And what I think is great about Pixabay is that the um, photos that you find there are all for free use. So you can take them, you can use them in whatever manner you would like to use them, and they're really high-quality photos. So you just download what you'd like, although there are um, there are some photos always along the top that you get. Um, right, Jonathan, am I right there? some photos along the top that you can purchase. But for the most part, the photos that you find on Pixabay are free. So it's a great place to send your students if they need, you know, some sort of image for a project they're working on and you don't have to worry about, um, you know, copyright issues and things like that. 
Yeah, the images are all filed under what's called Creative Commons Zero. And I'm just looking at the site here and it says you may download, modify, distribute and use them royalty free for anything you like, even in commercial applications. Attribution is not required. Now, one of those digital citizenships things that we often talk to teachers about is getting students to cite their sources. And I think even in this case, it's still proper to to cite these images in presentations or whatever else they're being used. But the nice thing is you really don't have to because the creators of these images have waived the rights for those photos. Yeah, and some of the ways that I guess I use it is for social media. So if I'm tweeting about something and I want to add a photo... I find something that I feel gets kind of relevant to the quote I'm going to use or, you know, what my tweet is about. And I just grab one of those um, photos and add a quote to it or something like that. And it, you know, just makes a nice visual for a point that I'm trying to get across. Yeah, I've used it in presentations. I've used it in websites. I've used it in yeah social media for sure. It's just got such a great variety of, of pictures that you can look at here. And you can almost always find something that you need from Pixabay. Yeah, so definitely check out those five tools that we absolutely love. And we hope that you love them too. And everybody have a great Valentine's Day. Yeah, if you have EdTech tools that you love, feel free to tell us what they are and tell us why you love them. You can email us, podcast at gwaea.org, or by connecting with us on Twitter at dlgwaea. And we will share the best ones right here on a future episode. Right now, though, I think we should check back with Amber in case she thinks we have forgotten about her. All right, so let's move it along to our main topic, Serve to You Piping Hot. We are going to be talking about sketch noting today with our resident expert, Amber Bridge. Yeah, I am super excited to talk about this too. Resident expert seems like a kind of a serious title for this topic, uh, but I will I will accept it. Absolutely. You are an expert con- compared to Jonathan and I, so if that makes <laughs> you feel any better, you've got us. Yes. Well, I think one of the most important things to stress when we think about sketch noting as well is that you absolutely do not have to be an artist. And I'm not an artist um, in the fact that my doodles are my doodles and they are not the most beautiful things in the world. But that sketch noting can offer a lot of really interesting ways to show what it is that you have understood, either from a presentation or from things that you've read. Uh, They're basically like taking your notes and making them look awesome. So how did you get started with sketchnoting? How is that something you've been exploring for a while or or not? So I stumbled across sketchnoting that whole term about a year ago, but when I learned about it, I actually realized, hey, I've been kind of playing with this idea for probably the last eight years or so, um, specifically in my classroom as a teacher, um, I taught science and I taught science without a textbook. And so the only thing that I required my students to have in class was their good old science notebook, you know, the old, you know, marble black and white notebook with no, uh, no binding on it or no spirals. 
And we said that they would generate their textbook and throughout the year. And so their notebook was actually made up of a variety of different procedures, excl- explanations, and also lots of drawing. Uh, I would have them draw diagrams, procedures. Uh, we even played their textbook. And at different times, I would check in with students And it was very interesting to see how they created their own little world inside of their book with little prompt. And it was very, very inspiring to see how they took it to the next level. And so with all of that, I'm like, this is visual notes. That's how I've been playing with the idea for a long time is uh, thinking of it in terms of making your notes visual in a different way. So did you see any benefits in their learning then, Amber? I mean, could you see the difference in in how you were teaching and and using something like this? Oh, absolutely. Um, I really felt as though it was a great extension um, to kind of push them to rethink their learning, to reimagine what it is that they just saw in an experiment or they read about in an article and bring it to life from their own perspective. Um, I always love the idea, I think language arts teachers will do this frequently, where everyone's reading the same book, and they're all reading it and um, taking in every single word and thinking about that character and creating their own picture of that character in their mind. And then you go and you have them draw what that character looks like to them. And everyone holds up their picture of that character and they're like, wait a minute, that is not what I thought it looked like. (laughs) And you go and you have a greater conversation about it and you can go a little bit more in depth. I think it does a really great job of kind of blending that visual with either the text or the verbal things that you're you're hearing. Um, You can do it in both ways. You can either base uh, your visual notes or your sketch notes off of things that you've read, or even just what you're hearing in class or in lecture. So the term sketch note in itself implies a very analog approach here. And I, I guess when you started this in the classroom, your students were doing this with pen and paper. But today, there's always the option to go digital with that. Can you talk anything about that? And whether you're a digital sketch noter or an analog sketch noter or the pros and cons of these kinds of things? Yeah, absolutely. So I am an analog sketchnoter. My preferred method is I got my bag of fine tip Sharpies and I have a blank notebook with no lines in it. And that's how I like to create my sketchnotes. There are also many apps that are out there that can help facilitate that. And um, I've played around with sketchnoting on the iPad uh, using... Um, paper by 53. I've also used the scribble feature in the notepad of an iPad and it works pretty good. Um, I just, I'm much more of an analog paper and pen kind of person. I think both of the processes, whether you are using an iPad or if you are using Sharpies or colored pencils, Uh, they are all still tapping into the idea of kind of rethinking and the process of drawing, which I think taps into different parts of your brain. Um, There's a study that I actually saw that compared literally typing your notes on a laptop compared to handwriting out your notes. That was done in 2014 by Mueller and Oppenheimer. 
And they found that the people that actually hand wrote their notes performed much better on testing than those that did notes by typing them into a laptop. Even though the laptop note takers took many more notes than the handwritten, they did not internalize them in the same way that the analog group did. Yeah, I also saw that study and I think I I can see many of the reasons why that might have been that way. I think when I'm taking digital notes, I turn off my brain a little bit and I think it's okay. Everything's here in a digital place. I can come back and look at it later. Maybe when I'm doing it on paper, I have to spend more time actually thinking about what I'm writing as opposed to just typing down everything I hear. But the issue I have with that is I'm much more likely to lose paper notes than I am to lose digital notes. So, <laughs> Which is the downside. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, I'm I'm still doing my digital notes because that does work better for me, but maybe I should look at apps or programs that let me use some digital inking, maybe some OneNote or something like that to do that too. Well, and one of the components of that study that I thought was really interesting that they found was the first time they did it, the people that did the laptop notes were just basically rewriting what was being said verbatim. They weren't taking their own spin on it. They were just literally copying it down. So there was no extra thought put into it. Um, And even in their second trial with the study, they told the one group, hey, it's really not a good idea to write your notes verbatim, put your own spin on it. Didn't make any difference. They still didn't perform as well as the handwriting. I can see there'd be a lot of benefit in kind of personalizing what you, how you are taking in the information and um, being able to put those things down and going back and then reflecting on them. It's going to remind you of whatever it was that you were feeling or thinking about at that time. Exactly. It brings a lot of, I think it does bring a lot of emotion to it uh, when you create it because you're taking these words, either words that you're hearing or words that you are reading, and you're starting to put them into pictures. And that pic- those pictures could be happy, angry, you know, the way that you are pressing on the paper can show all sorts of different things that really gives a much deeper context to it rather than just rewriting the words that are just in front of you. Are there any common elements or, or layouts or things that you can use in a sketch note drawing? I mean, I've seen some of these online. I've seen some of yours, Ember, and <laughs> I'm always amazed at the different elements is the only word I can think of, elements of, of sure. a sketch note that people put together. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have just kind of poked around and explored in different ways, and it seems that a sketch note is really just a big mash of text uh, combined and text written in different ways. Maybe some of it's in cursive, some of it's uh, printing or block lettering or um, just regular old handwriting as well. And combined with things that can help to emphasize important points on the page. And so if you realize that there's a main message being sent, maybe you're going to put a frame around it. Um, or perhaps you're going to do uh, what I would like to call a, a call out around it, perhaps a circle or a cloud or boxes around it to really make it stand out. Um, there's also all sorts of fun things that I've seen um, different sketch noters do, like adding in arrows to really call attention to those main points that you want to add in. 
Um, one area with sketchnoting that I do struggle with, uh, and I think it's because it's something that's new to me, is that there should be kind of an organization to your sketch notes. Sometimes I just kind of keep on drawing and cre- keep on creating, but there should maybe be sections of your sketch note that are separated by dividers and doodles um, that combine to make an overall larger picture. So speaking of larger pictures, this is something I think Mindy and I talked about once, but if you were watching a, a keynote speaker and doing a sketch note summary of what was going on, how do you not run out of space? How do, <laughs> how do you decide you've got enough room on the page for everything that's going to happen, even though you don't know what's going to happen next? Yes. Um, those people are super duper talented um, <laughs> that are able to go off of a keynote speaker, which is one way that you can do sketch noting. Um, I think that you just kind of, as you're listening, and like I said, this is the, the, the part that I struggle with of trying to create that organization that you might think of your page drawn up in either like force, like divided into four squares. And that when they start talking about a topic, you would put all of the information about that one topic in like the upper left hand square, and then you would move on to the next square. That could be one way that you could start to organize your ideas. But um, I haven't had enough practice with a, a keynote speaker or perhaps it being about an event um, the typical way that I sketch note is based off of things that I've read or things that I'm processing myself. So, um, not being very creative, I did try and do a little bit of sketch noting just because I think it's really interesting. And, um, I had not being creative, like I said, had to go to like some websites and get an idea of what, um, how, like some interesting connectors or interesting frames and things like that. Do you have like a list of people that really inspire you, Amber, that maybe give you some ideas or some techniques that that you really think, wow, this is something and I should really share it? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said, I stumbled across the whole idea of this sketch, sketch noting in its form that it is now um, just through being online and seeing some of these amazing things that people would create. Um, Sylvia Duckworth is, I think, probably one of the queen of sketch notes. Uh, she does amazing stuff um, that follow along the lines of kind of reflections of blogs that she's read. And I've also seen it in context of uh, things that perhaps she's heard as well, it seems. She has a great Flickr account uh, that you can follow, and she also usually posts pictures of her sketch notes on Twitter as well. You can find her at, at Sylvia Duckworth. Um, through kind of exploring some more and trying to learn and practice, I think practice is a really big part of sketch noting to see what other people are doing to get inspired by them. I stumbled upon a website called the Sketch Note Army, and that is kind of headed up by Mike Rohde. I'm not 100% sure I'm saying his name correctly, so I apologize to you, Mike, if I said your name wrong. Um, <laughs> but his website, uh, and I signed up for his blog, I usually get a email of an example of a sketch note that someone's done on a topic or on a talk. Uh, that gives me all sorts of ideas of inspiration about how I could work that into other things that I'm doing. Uh, through some of my practice and uh, 
just trying stuff out, I've gone on Pinterest and looked at quotes. And I would try to practice some of the different um, font styles. It's so much easier to pick a font on a computer than it is to actually hand draw a different type of font. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, um, but I stumbled across someone uh, who goes uh, on Pinterest by Dawn Nicole. And she does handwriting challenges each month. And so she has a list of, you know, 10 to 20 different things to try to draw within that month and has examples as well. And so I've kind of pulled up some of her pins that she has on her uh, page and tried to copy some of those into my sketch note just to give myself a little bit of practice. Um, along with that, uh, there's two, one of my favorite things to watch is when uh, an organization called RSA Animates creates YouTube videos based off of TED Talks. Have you guys seen any of those? Yeah, they're amazing. So captivating, right? I think the Sir Ken Robinson one is one of my favorites. With that and also uh, just a general resource, if you're starting to dive into sketchnoting and want to see an amazing list, as she always does, Kathy Schrock, has a page on her website all about sketchnoting, which has links to articles about um, rationale for it, examples of it, people to follow, tons of videos. And she has one video on there from, that I had not seen um, until a couple of weeks ago from someone that goes by the name of Sketcho Frenzy. And they do an excellent job of showing how that all gets put together. Yeah, Kathy Schrock has got a fantastic website. I'm there quite frequently for any number of different things, but I didn't know she had a sketchnoting section, so I'm going to have to check that out. Um, I will say, though, that of all the people on that list, the person I see most often is Sylvia Duckworths, and I did happen to see her on the front page of Reddit yesterday. Oh, wow. One of her sketch notes, it was success is like an iceberg where you see yes. some of the, the important parts above the water and all the hard work that's underneath the water. It was on the front page of Reddit. So I sent her a link on Twitter and said, hey, you're on the front page of the internet. <laughs> she wins the internet. I think so. That's right. She gets an awesome badge for that, right, Mindy? <laughs> yes, she does get an awesome badge. That is for sure. So all of those resources that Amber um, listed, we will definitely put links to those people and their websites and those resources in our show notes so that uh, you can go and check them out yourself. But that's, a, that's quite a list, Amber. That's awesome. Thank you very much. So I'm kind of thinking as an educator, and I know you said that you had a little experience, actually a lot of experience with this in your classroom. How would I get started with my students? Like, I've really become interested in this. What are the first steps and the next steps maybe of how do I get my students doing this? One easy way would be that if you are having your students read in class, um, one thing that I did was I, and, and this lends itself, I think, to the level of my students as well, I would give them choices about how they wanted to read the article. And I think that's really important as a reader where you're I had eighth graders and I had all of the eighth graders. They weren't differentiated in any way. I had a huge mix of students in all of my classes. And so there are some students that just want to read by themselves. And that is the best way that they process. And that reading out loud to them makes them absolutely crazy. And so I think that if you gave your students the choice of how they wanted to read, whether they were reading by themselves or if they were reading in a small group, or if they were reading in a larger group, 
I would also give them the option of almost like a read and create group where you read a section, maybe a couple of paragraphs, and you pause and you talk about it as a group as to what does this part of the reading make you visualize. And everyone just takes a few minutes and adds some images and pictures and words into their notebook to help them remember that section of the text. Um, I think that that would be a really easy way to start being able to give students that option of kind of visualizing what it is that they're reading. Well, I think you bring up a great point about it being something that all students can do. So often, like you said, we have a classroom that is full of all different kinds of students that learn in a variety of different ways. And I just think this strategy is a great way to reach all of the students. And there might be students who don't really love this strategy or um, note-taking method, but I can see, you know, whatever their ability levels are, that this could be a great way to start conversations between students who wouldn't normally be able or have a hard time discussing a topic together. Yeah, I think I think there's always people that will say, oh, I can't do math or I can't do art, I can't draw. But I think it's one of those things that if you just expose people to it and give them the opportunity to try these sorts of things, then they can decide for themselves whether this is something that's going to work for them or whether they need another strategy or something that's going to work better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think another way uh, that you could work it into your class is, let's say that you've been going throughout your unit and you've had your students take notes in different ways. And perhaps it's been a very linear type of notes where they've been copying, recopying definitions or words. Um, I had my students actually rework their notes to create almost like a new structure out of their words. Let me explain kind of what I mean by that. So uh, I don't know. Like I said, sometimes when you teach eighth graders, you get a little creative. You <laughs> you try different things and you see what happens. Um, my last name is Bridge. And so we got to a point in a unit and I guess I was feeling kind of punchy that day or creative. I'm not sure how you want to take it. Uh, I told my class that I wanted them to take all of their notes that they had taken over this topic and on a white piece of paper, rework the words into creating a bridge, like an actual physical picture of a bridge. And I want you to think about what words were the baseline, what would be the supports of the bridge, what were the biggest parts that hold up this whole concept and what words and definitions would make up the other parts of the bridge. You can make any kind of bridge that you want, but I want the bridge to actually be made up of words that combine and have meaning in a different way. What a great way to kind of reflect on what you've already learned. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting to see what they created because I had no idea where they were going to go with it. Um, two other ways that you could go about incorporating it into your classroom could be to simply have it as part of your overall process, um, creating and giving them the option for a visual journal. Rather than having them write out a step-by-step -step procedure, have them create a diagram drawing and in that diagram drawing have different numbers and labels to be able to see the procedure actually come to life. That's a very science-specific example. But um, sketchnoting uh, can be kind of challenging if you're trying to do it uh, based off of a talk or a presentation. And so one of the biggest things that I've heard uh, from a variety of different people is to just practice, 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 wherever you're at. And 
I had never thought about it this way, but they said, you know, as you're watching a TV show, sketch note it out. If you're going to church, sketch note out the sermon. Or if you are going to hear a speaker somewhere, just try it out and see what happens. Um, see what you're able to create and how you're able to give it structure, form, and make it in a way that you can comprehend and really put it into your own language. Which is what you did for this episode as well, right, Amber? You have a really beautiful sketch note that's all about the topics that you, we were going to discuss today. And you're going to share yeah. that with us, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, that was kind of, I've been using my sketch noting lately to really help me to process uh, what it is and what I'm working on to help me to give myself some structure. I've been doing this not only for your podcasting episode, but other things that I've been working on as well. And I am happy to share that out with you. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Amber, for uh, going into so much detail and helping us out with sketch noting. I'm sure there'll be lots of people interested to learn more about that. And we'll put links to all your resources and contact details in the show notes for today. So we're going to round out the show with our grand finale of Tech Nuggets today. Mine is kind of short, but I will throw it out there anyway. And that is something I just found out last night. Maybe the whole world knows about this, and I was the last one to find out. But <laughs> I found out how to save a web page <laughs> as a PDF on the iPad. And it's very easy to do. All you need is the iBooks app installed on the iPad. And you navigate to the website of your choice. You hit the sharing menu. And if you scroll past all those apps that you have here that it offers to share things into, you'll see one that says save PDF to iBooks. And as soon as you tap that, what it does is it converts the web page you're looking at into a PDF and it saves it into iBooks. So if you wanted to annotate over a web page, like highlight some content, or you wanted to draw something out, or you know add some notes to something, it's very easy to do with any number of different apps like Annotate or Notability and other apps that let you do things with PDFs. So that's a really quick tip. I have a very short video for you that is less than 30 seconds long that you can look and see how to do that. But there you go. It's how to save a web page as a PDF on the iPad. That's a nice one. You get kind of like creating a little reading list right in your iBooks. Yeah, it could be. I think I can beat that. I think you probably could. Go on. <laughs> so um, this actually, this website is new to me to begin with, but then they also just did a big update and it's um, Bloomboard. Have you guys heard of this before? No. Bloomboard, yeah. So um, what Bloomboard is, is just a website that has lots of different resources, um, mostly based around competency-based education. However, they just have gone through a big remodel, and now they've taken more of a Pinterest um, philosophy to it. So you can go in and make collections of different articles and put them into kind of like Flipboard does, where it puts it into collections or magazines. But they also have master educators who are creating their own collections, which is really nice. But what's what I love about it is that they're also going into micro-credentials or badging. So inside Bloomboard, you can learn about a topic that is interesting to you. 
and it um, has what they call stacks, and those are the big topics. So you might have um, something like one of your stacks could be like formative assessment. So within there, there'd be three different instructional strategies that you can show evidence that you are able to do in your classroom. Some of the evidence that you might have to show would be like student reflections or teacher reflections or videos. So inside Bloomboard, there are there's some um, directions about what that instructional strategy would look like in a classroom. But because now they've created these collections, you can go and look for the information within that website to become a little bit more familiar with that instructional strategy and then prove that you are able to use that strategy in your classroom and then you get a badge. Boom. You know, I like the sound of that, Mindy. I just can't believe it's taken us three episodes for you to show us a badging site on the podcast. (laughs) This is true. So what I think is really great about this um, ed tech tool is that you can do own learning, your own pace, on your own time, and then they recognize the achievement that you have gone above and beyond to learn. And I think that is one of the ways that education is really trending right now is to start doing some of this recognition for teachers because they do do so much hard work outside of school hours. Yeah, I think digital badging is one of those really hot topics right now. And I don't think it will be too much longer before we have an episode of the EdTech Takeout dedicated to digital badging because I think there's a lot to dive into there. And Mindy is our resident expert on digital badging. So I know she will have lots of awesome things to share on that. (laughs) I think that website sounds really cool too. I mean, if you can blend the ideas of Pinterest and, because a lot of people learn on Pinterest anyway, but if you make it even up the ante to make it really tie back into education topics and tie it into getting something like a badge, that's pretty awesome. All right. Well, I think that takes us to about the end of the show today. If you did enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and review us on iTunes. It really helps us get found out by more people. I'd like to say thank you to Amber Bridge for coming on. We very much enjoyed your company today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You'll have to come back again sometime soon. I would love to. All right. So if you have any questions about anything you hear on the show, you can email us at podcast at gwaea.org. You can find all the show notes and everything on our website. And please, we're still starting out. So share this with your friends, share on social media and let other people know all about us. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.